Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we're going to wrestle today. We're actually going to wrestle for the next five weeks. We're going to wrestle with a question that all of us struggle with. At some point in your life, you're going to wrestle with this question. It keeps reappearing in our lives. And, and the question that we're going to wrestle with is, does God care? Because we live in a world that's filled with pain. It's filled with disappointments that's filled with evil. And, and the reality is, is let's just be honest with ourselves today, because, you know what, here, let me just stop for a moment. Let, let, let's kill something here today so we can be honest. There, there is a misconception, a, mis, a misunderstanding, almost a lie that, that is communicated that when it comes to church, church is for perfect people who have perfect lives, who have everything together. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I'm going to be honest with you, that, that's a lie, because that's not what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be about real people, in real life. And real life, let's be honest, stinks. And, and the reality is, is that as we come in here, and as I come in here, we carry our scars. We carry our wounds. We carry the emotional baggage of the life that we live. And every one of us here has a story to tell. Every one of us here has a wound that hasn't healed yet. Every one of us here has our hurts and our pains. And the memories don't go away. And the question keeps looming in our minds, does God care? Does God care? Some of you right now, you can remember when you cried out to Him in, in anger, maybe with tears in your eyes, out of frustration, it, it, it really wells up within us. Does He care? Do you even care what's going on in my life, God? Do you care that this has happened to me? Do you care? And that's what we're going to be looking at. In fact, today what we're going to look at is really the struggle that we have. So, I mean, there's three things I want us to point out. Number one, we live in a world of pain and evil. Folks, let's just grasp reality. We live in a world of pain. We live in a world of evil. People do us wrong. You think things are going right at work and then all of a sudden a new person comes in and they upset the apple cart. And they're, they're out for themselves. They don't really care about anybody else. And they want you. They want your head on a platter. And you didn't ask for that. Somebody does something to you. Horrific. You didn't ask for that. Some of you maybe are in home situations and you didn't ask for that. We live in a world of pain and evil. And it's from, it's from the from a greater perspective of war and famine and pestilence and bad economy, all the way down to our little lives where it's the junk that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. We didn't ask for that. We live in a world of pain and evil. Now, here's what happens. Here's the second thing I want you to see, is we default to blaming God. This is natural for us. 
because we live in this world and because we ask that question, does God care, our natural tendency is, is when junk happens in our life, stuff isn't going the way we want it to go, we get a pink slip, or somebody's not faithful to us, or somebody hurts us in a bad way, immediately, because we're looking for someone to take responsibility for the stuff that's happening, our immediate response is to say, Why'd you let this happen to me, God? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Don't you know I love you? Why? We default to that, don't we? Because in our mind, we really recognize that He's the God of the universe. He's in control. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever He wants. And so, therefore, He shouldn't let this stuff happen to me. So we default to blaming Him. That's our tendency, isn't it? A lot of us, that's our tendency. In fact, a lot of us, maybe you've been there, I've been there. 25 years ago, I remember being in Columbia, South Carolina, and a few days before I got the word that my dad had been murdered. Some of you here know that, some of you don't know that. When I was 20 years old, my father was murdered for $75. And I remember two days after I got the word that he had been murdered, I was in in the attic of a ministry building that was across the street from the University of South Carolina where I was attending. And I remember praying and really, really praying out of pain and hurt and anger. And the question was, why God? Why would you let that happen to my daddy? See, those are natural questions. And our tendency, and even as as a 20-year-old at that time, we blame God. Because here's the third thing. Out of ignorance, we embrace a lie. Out of ignorance, we've embraced a lie. The reason why we do that, the reason why we default there, is whether we realize it or not, even in our maturity, we, we can't escape the reality that we are ignorant about some things and and out of our ignorance we have embraced a lie. Now what's the lie, George? Here's the lie. That everything's supposed to be going good in my life. God wants me to be happy. And nothing wrong should be happening to anyone. And that's the lie we've embraced. And because we embrace that lie that everything should be going well, everything should be going right, when something wrong does happen... Boom, we're back at it. God, do you care? God, why did you let this happen? God, why are you doing this to me? So we blame him. And so what we're going to wrestle with today is, does he really deserve that blame? Is he really the reason why the junk is happening in our lives? Is he really the reason why there is evil in our world? Is he really the reason why there is pain in your life? Is God the one who did what you're going through in your life or have gone through? That's what we're going to wrestle with today. And what we're going to see is, is number one, we're going to look out of Genesis about a perfect world. Because the way the world is right now, it hasn't always been that way. Then we're going to see the issue of corruption. How our world got messed up. Who really is to blame? And then we're going to see the hope. We're going to see the hope. So I want you to notice with me, First of all, let's look at this perfect world. Look with me at verse 27 through 31 of chapter 1 of Genesis. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. So it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food. It is good. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. A couple things I want you to see here about this perfect world. Number one, God placed us in this world. First thing we've got to understand is it's the way the world is, period, whatever form it was in. We're going to talk about the perfect form here in a moment. But the reality is, is God placed you here. That's not hard for us to accept. You say, that really doesn't really answer the question, who's to blame? Does he care? No, I just want you to understand, you just didn't happen to be here. God placed you here. Every one of you were placed here. The second thing is, and this is where we need to grasp, this world was very good. When God created the world and he put man in it, it was a perfect place. There was no problems. In fact, we don't really know how long Adam and Eve dwelt in the garden for as long as they did. But we do know that it was perfect. Every need was met. Everything was perfect. In fact, the word that's often reflected there in the garden is paradise. It was paradise. It was the perfection that we all long for in our lives. It was perfect. That's the world God created for us. Because here, Why do I need to make that point to you? Because a lot of us think that God created the garbage that we live in right now. That God created the world of pain that we're in right now. See, when you default to the behavior where you believe that He's to blame for everything, you have this concept that God is a big meanie sitting on a cosmic control board waiting to mess up your life. But He isn't. When He created us and placed us in this world, He placed us in a world that was perfect, that was beautiful. In fact, when He looked at the world, when God looked at the world, here's what He said about it. He said, it was very good. Very good. That's the perfect world that He was in. Now, the problem is, is that something got corrupted. Something changed because if you're like me, you realize real quick, well, you know, hey, He may have created a perfect world, but... It ain't perfect no more. Boy, it's a whole lot. Man, we'd like for it to be perfect, but it ain't there right now. Who messed it up? Whose fault is it? Well, let's take a look at that. Let's go over to chapter 3. Turn over to chapter 3 in Genesis. Look with me at verse 6. Just before we read that, remember, he placed him in the garden, but he told him they, were, they only had one rule. Listen to me, folks. One rule. How would you like to live somewhere and only have one law? You and I live in a society where there's how many laws? Where's laws we don't even know about? But they only had one rule. The one rule was that they were not to eat the fruit from a certain tree. Okay? Think we can handle that, right? Look with me in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And notice something here. Look at, look at what, how Adam responds. This is how typical of us today, isn't it? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. And your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and in toil you shall eat of it. And all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. To return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Here's what's going on here. God created this perfect world. Corruption entered into it. How? Man willfully sinned. Man willfully sinned. Man, by his own choice, chose to do wrong. And before you're hard on Adam, think about your own life for a moment. Think about something that you've recently done wrong. In fact, don't just think about one thing you've recently done wrong. If you're a human being, you've done a lot of things wrong lately, haven't you? And if you were to examine the things that you do wrong, I can almost guarantee you that there is one common denominator there with all of it. You purposely chose to do wrong. Yes, there are some times when you do wrong out of ignorance, but a lot of times you do wrong because you chose to do wrong. Where did we get that from? The very first people, Adam and Eve, were just like our forefathers. And so here they are. They purposely, willfully choose to sin. Now here's what happens. Our sin corrupts our world. Our sin corrupts our world. In fact, when you look at the judgment that God has on them, I'm going to go through this, verse 14 through verse 19, and I'm going to point out to you the things that God is saying is going to result how this world that he created that was perfect is going to change because of us. Look with me. Verse 15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the servant. What's he saying there? He's talking about how spiritual warfare is going to be a part of our lives. How we have an enemy, who? Satan, who seeks to destroy us. That's the nature of the world we live in. It used to not be that way, folks. But now our world has been disturbed by Satan and his minions trying to destroy us. That's one aspect of it. 
Look at what he said to the woman. He said number to the woman, when you give birth, you're going to have a lot of pain. But he goes one step further, and here's what he describes. Now, when you look at verse 16, you may think that this is saying something really nice, but it isn't. It says, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Here's what he says. There's going to be relationship problems. Guys, just for a second to help you understand, what it's really saying here in the language isn't that she thinks you're a good-looking guy. That's not what it's saying here. When it says that her desire shall be for her husband, is that she wants to control you. And then he says, you're going to dominate her. Which isn't right either. What's he saying here? Because of our sin, our relationships are messed up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because of our willful sin, the world in which we have, which was perfect, that we've now corrupted, has resulted in messed up relationships. Here's what else it says. Let's go on there. Look with me at verse 17. He says to Adam, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. What's he saying here? It's going to be hard to make a living. Life isn't going to be easy. Before it was easy. They could just go and eat of anything in the garden. Now they got to sweat. they got to labor. In fact, he says, by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread. You know what it's like. You're putting in the time for the man. You go home. And you know what it's like. It's like, I work for this money. And you know what you did for it. And you will say things like this. I'm treating myself today because of what I did. I earned this. Where did that come from? From the nature of the corrupt world in which we live in. Verse 19 tells us something else that is a reality that we, we introduced into our world. Look with what it says. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. What's he speaking about here? Death. You know, it's probably the most devastating thing from all of our whole world, isn't it? is our loved ones who die. And the reality that one day we're going to die. That's part of the corruption. That's part of what we have done to ourselves. So here we are. We have this junk happening in our lives. We wonder, does God care? We ask, whose fault is it? Folks, it isn't His. He didn't create the world that we live in the way it is. We messed it up. But you know, the problem is, is that here's the problem. Here's our tendency. We don't want to take responsibility. And it's a whole lot easier to blame God. Do you know what I'm saying? We're the ones. But I want you to see something. So, you know, it's, it's, our tendency is to blame God. Our tendency is to put God in a bad light. Our tendency is to view Him as the reason why things are happening. And we're wrong. How do I know we're wrong? Because we have a hope. And the reason why we have a hope is because God gives us the hope. Because here's the wonderful thing about our God is that we mess up our world. Human beings mess up our world. But God still reaches out to try to perfect that world. What do you mean? Here's two things. Number one, God gave His Son for our redemption. Listen to John 3.16. Very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave His own Son, Jesus. See, God loves us so much, 
He sees the pain of the world that we live in. That He loved us so much that He gave us His own Son, Jesus, to die for us on a cross. That's reality. That's our hope. You say, I mean, He loves us so much, He knows the pain we're in. One of the interesting things, if you go over to John chapter 11, if you go over there and you see the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, it's, it's interesting. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus knows He's going to raise Lazarus, but when He goes over to the grave, the Bible says very clearly, here's what He does. It says, Jesus wept. Now why did He cry? He knew He was going to raise Him from the dead. Because He identifies with our pain. He identifies with us in the pain and the junk that we go through. But here's the other aspect of the hope. If you have your Bibles, turn all the way over to Revelation, the last book now, almost to the very last chapter, verse chapter 21. John, the writer, sees a new heaven. He sees God restoring all things. And here's what he says. See, this is our hope for the future. Verse 1 of chapter 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Wait a minute, I'll just stop. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that what He did with them in the garden? He walked with them? It's going to be that way again. And then look. Verse 4, this is, this is the hope, folks. This is what's coming if we have our trust in Jesus. The world may be messed up now, but there's something better coming. Look at verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Some of you need to underline that. Isn't that awesome? What's coming for us is something far better. No more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. See, that's our hope. You say, okay, George, you're trying to deal with this subject of whether or not God cares. And we're trying to deal with this issue of whose fault is it. Well, the reality is it isn't his fault. And we live in a messed up world. Now, here's the problem. We are, if we, remember what I said, out of our ignorance, we've embraced a lie. What's the lie we've embraced? That everything's supposed to be perfect here. It's not going to be perfect here. This is why we have a hope for later. Because our perfection is going to come later. He does care. Otherwise, He wouldn't give us that hope. You say, what do you mean, George? Well, you, you, you get through the junk in your life because there's a hope that carries you through, right? Here's what I'm saying, folks. God gives us a hope to get us through this world. That hope is Jesus and the salvation that we have through Him and the blessed of perfection that is to come. It's okay, George. How do, how, do I, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I guess three thoughts. Here's the first one. It's a question. Are you blaming God? Don't let that one slip by you. Are you blaming God? See, here's the thing. I know because I've been there. 
It's easy to blame God. When things don't go right, it's easy to blame God. And you could be blaming God and you don't even know it. Because the proper thing to do as a Christian is to say, Oh, God's good, God's great, and He's wonderful, and He's doing all things perfect in my life. No, but see, deep down in your heart, if you're honest with yourself, you can be angry with Him. Are you blaming Him? For some of you, it doesn't have to be that subtle wondering. For some of you, you can answer, Yeah, I'm blaming Him. Why did He do this? Why did He let that happen? He could have changed that. So you're blaming Him. Which brings me to my second point. Let go of your anger. Some of you got to let go of your anger. Some of you here are so angry with God, you are blaming Him for the hurts, for the pain, for everything that did not go the way you wanted it to go. You're blaming Him and you are angry. And it has become your companion. Anger has become your companion. It's a part of you. In fact, you don't know what life would be like without your anger. In fact, it's so much a part of you. I know because I've, I've been there. It's so much a part of you that you don't even see it anymore. It's such a part of you. Everybody else sees it and they'll say things like this. Why are you angry? Can't you tell you're angry? And you're like, what? you got to let go of it. For some of you, anger has become your life. And you're angry at God. But friends, we've got to remind ourselves, He didn't create the world that we live in. He's not sitting up there in a cosmic control board saying, how can I mess their lives up today? If anything, He's sitting there grieved at the pain that we go through. At the hurt and the anguish. That's why He sent His Son. So let go. Let go. And then finally, place your hope in Jesus. You know, there's an assumption in the Bible. It's not straightforward in the Bible, but there's an assumption. And here's the assumption. You may want to write this down. The Bible assumes that you're going to suffer. The Bible assumes that you're going to suffer. From Genesis chapter 3 all the way up to Revelation chapter 19, the assumption in the Bible is that suffering is going to be a part of your life. Do you understand me? It just knows. It already assumes that there is stuff is not going to go right. Death is going to enter into our worlds. Pain, suffering, messed up relationships. The Bible assumes that. And so in the midst of that assumption, in the midst of that reality of that is the world in which we live in, He calls us to something else. He calls us to place our hope in Jesus, who is our Redeemer. He gives us the gift of life, who promises us something far better. That's what our hope is. You know... There are days you really think how am I going to get through this? I'm going to tell you right now if it wasn't for Jesus I wouldn't. Because He's my hope. 
Is it yours? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.